Hello everybody and welcome back to Journalist Talk. Today we have part two from the Sammy Fernandez episode and I hope you guys enjoy. Going back to what you mentioned about your time in Brazil in between your master's and you wanting to do stuff for the rainforest, I saw some posts on your Instagram while you were there. What did you do there? Did you start something? Did you work to freelance? How was this experience post-graduating, post-trying to do a master's on something that you're very interested in and, you know, actually doing right now? You know, the last time I went back to Brazil was 2018, in summer. So it, it was three years and a half without seeing my sister, without seeing my parents, everybody. I was a completely new person. I had a degree in journalism in the US. The last time I was there, I was a sophomore. So I was still learning. I was not even in the newspaper yet. So when I came back to Brazil in January of this year, I was like, I'm gonna save the world. <laughs> I was with this mindset. I wanna do something big for the, the Amazon rainforest. I'm so passionate about it because it's my hometown. And you know, it's funny Bia, because when I say, when I talk about the rainforest, it does have a little bit of trauma involved. I guess that's why I'm so obsessed, because there is also that sadness that I felt for so many years when we left and I didn't want to leave. So that's why I guess I'm so obsessed. It's not only because it's the largest tropical rainforest in the world, but also because I felt so much when I left that city that I had all these emotions with me while I was studying about that place. And also studying about this place, doing research here made me feel home, connected to home and to my childhood and my teenage years. So it's all connected. You know, my personal and professional life is all together connected. I guess that's why I have a difficulty in having a balance between social life and academic life because it's all connected for me. But anyways, answering your question, uh, when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the rainforest. And unfortunately, I could only go in June. And then I came back to the US in August and I was planning to go in February, but I decided to stay a little bit more time with my family, you know, because I didn't see them for so long, but also because after I saw that I got accepted at the University of Utah in February, I started to plan, you know, get visa, go to the embassy, all of that. So I could only go in June. Well, it was five weeks, so a month and one week. At most, the most intense month of my entire life, I could say. I arrived on June 17th, and on June 19th, there was a protest from the indigenous youth of Hondonia and the Ben Viver movement. They did a protest in uh, the Tres Caixas d'Agua, in a very famous place in Brazil, which, you know, it's also the the water tanks that came from the US, that's a whole another topic, the history of the US in my hometown. <laughs> but anyways, they did a protest in that park asking for the federal and state government justice for the lives of environmentalists that are lost protecting their land. So they were there. So I, I interviewed a lot of them. I met a lot of indigenous people during this short amount of time and the next Saturday after I arrived, after this weekend, the next weekend, uh, there was a, a conference in the mall, free conference, everybody could join, teaching people how to be an entrepreneur 
in the Amazon rainforest. Yes, how to sustainably have a business in the rainforest. And you know, it's funny because I was the only one there, one of the few, very few people, non-indigenous that were there and everybody else was indigenous communities. You know, I posted on social media, I let my friends know nobody was interested. So really, the people who are most interested in this topic is indigenous communities. They were there. They are involved. They were happy to be there. So I was there with them. And so it was a whole day, a workshop day to be sustainable and have a business sustainable, be sustainable in the rainforest. So I did that. I was, I, I was not there solely for journalism. I consider myself like a freelancer while I was there. But I, I was also there to see my friends and my family that I don't have family there, but, you know, I call uncles and aunts, you know, my friends of my parents that saw me growing up for 15 years. So I, I, I have a family there. So I, I was also there to see them and to see nature and to see the rainforest. I saw a lot. I took a lot of pictures and videos. I was a girl scout. So I also went camping with my scout group and my troop we went in the rainforest and I posted a lot. I tried to post as much as I could. I still feel that I still have a lot to post, but I didn't because I'm already here and I don't have the time anymore. But I, I was trying to, you know, make people know how great that place is. And my friends, however, they thought I was crazy <laughs> because they saw me, you know, my friends from that 2013 year, high school year, they were not understandable of why I was so obsessed, why this place was so cool. It's normal for them, you know? And it was for me when I lived there. But I I tried to show as much as I could of that place. Yeah, I mean, it's not wrong to be passionate Obsess. about, like, a place or something in your life. That's what drives us. If you're not yeah. passionate about anything, like, what are you going to do? You know? You, you have this thing... Uh, with nature and uh, I have this thing with storytelling I want to write books I want to have a podcast where I invite people just just like you know tell me about your life tell me what's what's going on and I feel like if we don't follow our passions there is nothing really to follow you followed your dream to go to the US and then that showed you that you could use like your life as kind of like a guide for what you wanted to do, and I don't think it's wrong, you know, you're not crazy for it, but maybe a little obsessed. (laughs) No, there is a phrase phrase that says you don't know how much something means to you unless you lose it. Yeah. So true. I had no idea about the importance of that place to me until I didn't have it anymore, until I lost it. I know they like the city, (laughs) it's a great city, and people there are totally different vibe from any other place that I've seen in the world. People are so nice. No, B, I know you're from Sao Paulo, but (laughs) don't get me wrong, I love Sao Paulo. No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I like Sao Paulo. (laughs) It's all good, it's all good. We had this conversation like thousands of times. I know that, I know that. I know it's not about the place, it's about the people. That's something that I, I just recently learned about that. I had a difficulty trying to, you know, learn that. But it's not about the place, it's about the people. There is great people everywhere. Yeah. I feel like it mainly, it's not about the people, but it's like your relationship with them. Yes, and how open you are as well. Yeah, if you have like, like you said, oh, it's not my family, 
but it's people that I call uncles and aunties, and I feel that's way more common in Brazil, but it's uh, our found family, and that's like something that you see everywhere, and I believe it's what keeps us here. Right. You have friends, I have friends, we have like each other in here, you're like states away now, but in a way, you know, we kept talking, we're friends, we have like this found family that makes us not feel alone anymore right no yeah and don't get me wrong i like sao paulo <laughs> no it's because you know it's funny because when people ask me where are you from i'm like brazil but like not real not sao paulo the northwest the rainforest just because you know yeah it, it does drive me nuts a little bit because even people from brazil and sao paulo and rio they don't know the rainforest they prefer to travel to europe to the us to other countries instead of visiting their own country and it's the largest tropical rainforest in the world. Everybody that goes there comes back being a totally different person. It's yeah. a different reality. I miss like this family trip because I have one of my cousins that is not my cousin, but he's my cousin. He's from Berlin. And him and his fiance were like, well, we're going to get married, but we want to do it there. Like where they are from, not in Sao Paulo where they are right now. I think everything like goes back to Sao Paulo for some reason. <laughs> but at the same time, like our whole family that have never been there went they were like, oh my gosh, we went like through so many struggles, but it was like such cool adventures. And they came out like so new when I was like, okay, nice, I'm having midterms here. But I feel like that's something that I want to experience, uh, even though I've been like to almost most of the states in Brazil. My family, it was never like, oh, let's go to the Amazon forest. But that was something that I've always wanted to do. And maybe like someday I'm, go I'm going to like visit you. Hey, Sammy, I'm here too. Just, just show me around. Because I honestly agree with you. I agree with you. People don't know about the, the Amazon. And I think that's crazy because it's like one of our biggest treasures. Yes. Like we were gifted with the forest yeah. and somehow all we do is like kill it. You see, but it, it, I also believe that it's the government's fault because flight tickets are more, it's cheaper to go to other countries than Brazil itself. <laughs> so you see, you go to France, it's cheaper than to go to my hometown. Ticket flights are so expensive for some reason, and we don't have ecotourism as well. It's not highly enforced in Brazil. So that's something that we need to work on, make people travel there, because it gives money to the indigenous communities, and they are so open. I met a lot of them. You know, I have contact with them on Instagram now, and they, they invited me, Sammy, come here, like do some reporting here with us, but it was far. I couldn't go. I didn't have a car. And I stayed there for a short period of time. But they are open to have people come and meet their community, you know, and visit and learn because it also gives money to them. But yeah, that's something we need cheaper flights and more <laughs> ecotourism for sure. All right, we're, we're gonna get right onto it. Don't worry. <laughs> but there's like a few more topics that I wanna talk to you today. And one of them is when we saw each other this year a few weeks ago probably a month ago already i don't know but you were a guest speaker at spjla 
That's huge. I mean, that's so amazing. Journalists here were like, well, we got to call Sammy and she's going to talk about LinkedIn and how important is in journalism and getting your first job and, and maybe like just showcasing yourself. How was the feeling of that? Because it's not something tiny and you're just like starting your master's, you just graduated. Yeah, I was very grateful. I still am for all my professors in the United States because I got invited by Professor Davis because um, so everything started, I was a student at CSUN and then I applied for the Journalism Alumni Association Scholarship in spring of 2020. And then I got that scholarship for fall 2020. And then I got in touch with the director of scholarship, which is Craig Liner, And he is also one of the board members of JAA, the Journalism Alumni Association. So then I got uh, invited to join the board mem member, to, to be one of the board members as a student, you know, to have like the young voice, uh, recent student and recent graduate. And then that's how everything worked out. Professor Davis reached out, I was still in Brazil. I was in the rainforest when I got the email and I was like, yeah, sure, absolutely, I will go. And it was a huge experience. I was very happy, but it was also very fast. <laughs> I mean, I left Utah, Salt Lake City, 5 a.m. and I was there at 8 a.m. So I'm glad my presentation was early in the morning because I was tired. <laughs> but it, it was great to be there, you know, amongst so many great journalists from LA Times and Fox News and to learn from them, take pictures with them, and ask questions for with environmental journalists. There is also a great journalist that I admire so much. His name is also Sammy, and he covers the environment for LA Times. So it was great. I'm very grateful. You see, the US has so many opportunities, and that's something I will always be grateful for. I mean, it's not every student also that goes there, and my my professor, Professor Trujillo, she was like, do you want to go? And I was like, yes, I do. It's so once in the beginning of my lifetime, you know, you've got to work hard on your way to be recognized. But even being there just like as a student to learn from everybody, it's great that they are always, oh, yeah, oh, that's so amazing. Um, give me your business card. Let's Let's chat after that. And I feel people here so welcoming and there is such a distinction in journalism in Brazil and journalism here. I don't think people in Brazil, they have this opening like here. I mean, of course, there's some very nice journalists I met in my life and they were like, oh yeah, now here's my email, send me a resume, let me, let me see how it goes. But at the same time, I feel like here you have so much more connection with them through scholarships, clubs, awards. I was invited to present the Golden Mics earlier this year, literally one day before my graduation. And I felt so happy. I made so many good connections. Some people were, you know, like, well, I'm famous, you're a student, you know, whatever, you, you're here, just give me water. But like, there was other people that talks to you, remembers of you, gets your your business card and keep on touch the guy that i showed you at spjla he was like oh yeah i remember you from the golden mics that's something that i don't feel like brazil has you know yeah definitely people here i agree they they remember who they know where 
where they came from. I think people are so humble and they are open to talk to you. They are open to help you get there as well. That's something definitely. They empower us so much to be our best, to do our best, because we can make a difference and we can, you know, make an impact. So that's also something that I'm very grateful for. People are humbling. Yeah. They're up there, but they relate to you and they know that you are growing, you you are getting there. They also got they are they walked where we are walking right now. So yeah. But networking, that's very important. Yeah. I mean I can be wrong, but that was like all my experience in Brazil, you know. And here people really remembers where they came from and they value, like you said, our generation. Meanwhile in Brazil if you're new, you get like dumb rows. You don't get like, oh, you're gonna be an anchor. You are out of college, anchor at the weekends or anchor in the morning. You know, you don't get this the growth fast. Uh, it's not fast, but you don't get opportunities when you're young. And when you're old, you're too old. That's why you be out. you're gonna go back there and make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but. Also, I wanted to talk to you about scholarships, clubs, awards, research. It's something that we we both did. We both were very participative in our undergrad. I'm still very participative. You are also. But I think it's so rewarding when we get like a scholarship and we get recognized by our stuff. I have this podcast because I got a scholarship. That helped me with uh, <laughs> with equipment and the the website that I upload my episodes, and so I had my professors uh, help doing it. Uh, she was like, "Well, let's talk over the summer. Oh, why don't you take my podcasting class?" And even when we are talking normally, she ended up uh, giving me a lot of. A lot of advice, you know, oh, you can do that in your podcast. Oh, you haven't seen this new feature, like, do this. And I feel like those those things kind of help shape us and push us to the next level where people start like, oh, okay, so Sam did that, so she is important. We should connect to her. Oh, B has a podcast. We should pay attention to that. How was all this experience, which one was the most rewarding internship club award that you got yeah no definitely i think taking classes and getting a's is definitely not enough especially us that are in this field so i always try to be involved on campus um, when i was at citrus i was part of the newspaper and then i was over the class and i still continued as a freelancer the next spring before graduating so then when I came to CSUN, I was in that mindset of I can change the world because I feel like that's what professors do to us here in the U.S. They empower us so much. I took a summer class in summer of 2019, public speaking, advanced public speaking with Professor Gina Giorda. And in that class, I did a persuasive speech on global warming and it was very successful. I prepared a lot for it. It's on my YouTube channel as well. But anyways, and then she connected me to the director of the forensics program so I could be part of the forensics and, you know, go to national competitions and stuff. That's also a club. 
and it started like that you have to be open to opportunities and to grow definitely it was challenging for sure to be part of the forensics while taking classes at the same time and you know memorizing speeches writing speeches and then COVID came <laughs> but I think that the most rewarding you know besides being open to learn and being open to resources there are so many resources I was also part of the RTDNA, which you were vice president recently. Yes. You know, when I think about it, I think it was the spring of 2020 when I, when I applied for the most rewarding, right? <laughs> was that your question? Yeah. The one that you felt most rewarding, not the one that was like okay. actually valued the most, but that had more meaning to you. Definitely. I think the Philip Wilson Memorial Scholarship, because when I got it, I was like, did I really get it? <laughs> I mean, I, I we, you know, it was a critical essay that we had to do. So I, I did that over the pandemic, over COVID. In a funny story, I did it in like a week, I believe. They extended the deadlines because of COVID. I was like, okay, I will try. My sister was the one who told me, Sammy, do it. Because I was thinking, there, it's not enough time. Let me apply to the other ones. And then she was like, no, go do this one first. I remember because I was also applying for the same one in the same time that you did. And I remember us talking about it. And when I saw that you won, I was like so happy for you. Because, you know, like, we need to be happy for each other. Right. And also, yeah, I, you know, when I got it, I was happy. I felt that all the hard work paid, paid off. But it was also one of the reasons why I stayed during the pandemic. I wanted to go back to Brazil, but my parents told me, Sammy, opportunities are there, stay. I don't know how things would have gone if I, you know, if that had not happened, I guess. But networking, definitely. That's how I, I stayed for fall 2020, didn't go back home. So then I met Professor Carlos Rook. So then after that, he told me to apply for an internship, and then I got the internship. You know, all this networking that happens. You know, everything works out. It's just a lot of hard work, for sure, but it pays off. We have to keep going always and never give up. We talked about a lot of, like, first generations. First generation being born in the Amazon rainforest. First generation of Brazilians coming here and graduating the undergrad, and again, first generation getting their master's in the U.S. If you could give an advice for any first generation of whatever the person is, first generation uh, immigration, studying, anything, what is your advice for people? Because sometimes it gets hard, it gets lonely, but what is the word of that they need to remember? Uh, short or long answer? <laughs> You do what you gotta do. <laughs> you tell us. You know, I know it's cliche, but you gotta find your passion. And besides that, I think something more important than that is to find a passion that is gonna benefit the rest of the world. <laughs> or let's be more local, you know, your community, your neighbors, people around you, your city, your state, your country. Not only, you know, not something just for yourself, because I think when you find something bigger than that, if that makes sense, it makes everything makes more sense. You feel that reward of doing something that is not only beneficial for you, but it, it's making a difference in other people's lives. So like the work that you're doing is making an impact on someone else. 
Anyway, that's all about journalism. My advice for people, you know, that wants to come to the U.S. as a first-generation international student is be focused because it's, everything is new. There are so many things to do. <laughs> but be focused on your purpose, why you're here, what do you want to do after your education is over because we have visa issues, you know, after we graduate, we either work for a year or we go back to our countries. So have that goal that mindset and focus your projects on things that you can add to your resume later. I think that's, that helps a lot. Don't just think it's a paper to get an A, but think of it as something that you could put on your portfolio, you know, do put your heart on it. Wise words. <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted, I really just wanted to thank you for talking to me today. I know we have like part of this conversation sometimes because you and I are friends, but it's good to sometimes go a little more in depth and show people that if we can do it, they can do it. There's nothing stopping us. We just need to find our passion. So due to that, I'm making this podcast and I just want to thank you again for coming, Sammy. And I'll see you guys on the next episode. 